Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Grateful for your presence here. Our God is indeed alive, and that is why we are here, because our God is alive. Thank you, Jerome, for the song. Thank you, Ted, for the words, and Nate for the prayer. Welcome to Heartland Church of Christ. Our vision is to be a focused church body led by God's Spirit with an engaging community atmosphere and dynamic worship environment that seeks out the unchurched, builds up and inspires our members to serve Jesus and share the gospel. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. They did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Typical, right? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. If you weren't here last week, I talked about how there are moments in history that changed the world forever. I talked about how the internet did that for our world today. And when the internet was invented, life would never be the same. Humans would be changed forever. The way they live and the way they behave. Baptism, I talked about, is like that as well. I called that a portal moment that takes us from one realm to the next. From a realm of bondage to freedom. From a realm of formless and empty way of being to a way of being that's full of new creation. And from death to life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of these portal moments. And when Jesus confirmed himself from just Jesus the Nazarene to Jesus the Christ, when he walked out of that grave, three days after he died, the world changed forever. Change is the key word this morning. It's the word of the day. Change. Change absolutely happened after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this tangible change that we see in people's life is proof that something happened. Something life-changing happened that day when we see the remarkable change that happened in people's life. If you are here today 
and you have trouble believing in something like the resurrection of Jesus, all you have to do is look for the change in people's lives as evidence that something happened pretty big. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just look at uh, Jesus' closest compadres, folks like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James. Those men decided to be leaders of the church at a time when it was most difficult. Persecution was rampant. People were losing their lives because of their faith. And these guys are like, sign me up. I want to do that. Why? Why such boldness and bravery? If you've read your New Testament, you know that these guys weren't anything special when it came to boldness and bravery. In fact, the very writers of the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they make themselves look terrible in their own writings. Why would they do that? At Jesus' arrest, for example, they all flee. Look at what happened in Mark chapter 14. Jesus says during his arrest, Am I leading a rebellion? That you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment, was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving behind his garment. When Jesus was arrested, these guys didn't stand up and fight. I mean, even if it meant running out of your own clothes, you got out of there. You didn't stand up and fight. Peter, he stood up, stood up and fought for a moment, but then he fled. In fact, Three different times that night, he said that he didn't even know who Jesus was. He even let a middle school girl intimidate him. Big man Peter, supposed to be really faithful, couldn't even be up front with a middle school girl. The authors of these stories are the very ones who depict themselves as traitors, cowards, insecure, only concerned about themselves. Now, if you're going to write a story and make something up like this, don't you at least smooth over the rough edges of your own cowardice and betrayal and foolishness? You don't make yourself look like this. You don't make yourself look cowardly and dim-witted unless, that is, something happens. Something dramatic happened that changed their lives forever. One of these portal moments. Look at John chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. 
This was in accordance with Jewish burial custom. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now think about Jesus' burial here. Normally, the body of a crucified man is left to hang on a cross for several days, rotting, sort of as a statement. So when people look up at the hill and they see what's up there, they're told, you better keep the order. Don't cause a stir, or this is what will happen. It was a statement. And then, after several days of the body being up on the cross, it was sort of scraped off and thrown in the garbage dump behind Jerusalem. Kind of a a gross story, right? Well, since Jesus died the day uh, before the Sabbath, they couldn't leave the body of Jesus on. So it was straight to the garbage dump with Jesus' body. Except for this rich, secret follower of Jesus, and this Pharisee named Nicodemus who acts heroically in the story and they give Jesus a proper dignified burial. So, let me get this straight. It was a secret follower of Jesus. Somebody who was ashamed to follow Jesus while he was alive. So now that Jesus is dead and the Jews appear to have won, now all of a sudden he acts so faithful. The secret follower of Christ. And it was a Pharisee who acts so respectfully towards Jesus. Now, if you're going to write this story, if you're a follower of Jesus and you write this story, you don't choose a secret follower of Jesus. And you sure don't choose a Pharisee into these roles. Choosing a Pharisee to act respectfully towards Jesus that would be like if, like if in the Lion King, we've seen the Lion King, right? If in the Lion King, the hyenas decided to give Mufasa a proper burial. Okay? That just doesn't make sense. That's not the way it goes. So it was a secret follower of Christ and a Pharisee. These are the heroes of the story. Really? Meanwhile, Jesus is real disciples, the twelve apostles, the eleven now, they're in hiding somewhere with their tails behind their legs, between their legs. Now, if you're going to make up a story, why do you write it this way? This is not what the gospel writers would have wished to write about themselves. That is, unless something happened that changed their lives forever a portal moment. Matthew chapter 27, 62 through 66. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. So they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, they're talking about Jesus here, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, His disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. 
Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went, made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Jesus' enemies had more confidence in the disciples of Jesus than the disciples of Jesus had in themselves. That's what we read here. Jesus' disciples, they weren't ready to risk their lives. At least not yet. There would be no crowd of people waiting outside the tomb for Jesus to come out. And if rock concerts, uh, basketball games, Black Friday, if those things have taught us anything, it's that people are willing to wait outside a long time for something that they want. But here, there was no welcoming party outside the tomb waiting for Jesus to rise. The guards, the guards standing there for protection, they had the easiest job in the world. They got paid to do nothing because there wasn't anything that was going to happen. Nobody was going to show up. By all accounts, Jesus was a dead man. But along with the secret follower of Christ and the Pharisees, somebody else was at least sort of doing their part, their job. And it was the women. It was the women's job at this time for the Jewish culture that they perform most of the grieving rites and the funeral preparation. So, Mary Magdalene and the other women, they show up at the tomb. Why? Because Jesus was dead. And they were doing their job, doing the grieving rites, doing all the rituals that they were supposed to do. They didn't expect an alive Jesus to be there. Jesus was dead. According to the Gospels, no follower of Jesus saw the resurrection coming. Nobody believed it. Nobody had faith in it. It was all mourning, all grieving, all disappointment. Nothing good. It's a bad story. So who would write such a story? Who would write a story like this? The only type of person who would write a story like this about his own cowardice, his own betrayal, his own foolish. The only person who would write a story about himself like this is the one who wasn't those things anymore. The only person who would write a story about his own cowardice is the one who wasn't a coward anymore. Right? In other words, there was more to the story. If there wasn't, there'd be no story to tell whatsoever. There'd be nothing to write about. So unless something life-changing occurred, we wouldn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We wouldn't have the 27 books of the New Testament because there would be nothing to write about. Instead, there would be something to forget about. You wouldn't write it down. So there would be no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and the letters to the Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John, Jude and Revelation. Thanks. Somebody over here was saying it. Appreciate that. 
if it wasn't for something life-changing that happened, we wouldn't have just experienced that magical moment right there with me singing. Okay? There'd be no 27 books of the New Testament. We wouldn't have it. There'd be nothing to write unless something life-changing occurred. A portal moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He has raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Notice how sleep is used here. The Apostle Paul uses the word sleep. Why do you do that? Why is death viewed as sleep? We don't use language like that anymore. Maybe we should. When a Christian dies, it's temporary. More akin to sleep than death. So something life-changing did occur. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a fertile moment and life would never be the same. And all of a sudden, just like that, these cowardly, fearful, insecure, fragile disciples, just like that, they turn hero. Why? All of a sudden, just like that, they're willing to risk their lives for what they believe. All of a sudden, they're willing to risk their careers and their family. Why? Just like that, all of these exclusive-minded Jews are getting all chummy with the heathen Gentiles. How do you explain that? All of a sudden, they're sharing their lives intimately with one another, sharing their possessions, loving each other, like they never loved each other before. These Jews are even eating pork. They're even eating pork. Why do you think you're going to have ham today on Easter? The Jews are eating pork. What happened? All of a sudden, disappointment and grieving turn into joy and celebration. Something had to happen. And guess what? It's the same today. Fragile Christians who are insecure can turn hero. Fragile churches can turn into stalwarts of love and community and discipleship. Change can still happen today. Why? Because an experience an experience with the resurrected Jesus can do that. It's a portal moment taking us from one realm 
to another. In the year 1685, the king of England declared himself head of the church. And all types of conflict ensued because the ministers weren't going to stand for that. Because they knew that Jesus Christ was the only head of the church. So they fired back. Ministers fired back the king of England. And the king of England didn't let it go. In fact, he summoned up soldiers. He sent out his thugs to force these ministers to recant their position and say, yes, the king of England is the real, true head of the church. One of these king's thugs' names was John Graham Claverhouse. Claverhouse arrives at the home of John Brown, Scotsman, and says, recant your position, declare that the King of England is the head of the church. And John Brown is there with his wife Isabella and his three-year-old. John Brown is 26 years old and he says, I can't do that because Jesus Christ is the only true head of the church. Well, Claverhouse shot John Brown on the spot in the head. Right in front of Isabella, his wife, and his three-year-old. And Claverhouse looks at Isabella and says, What do you think of your husband now? Isabella says, through her tears, I've always thought my husband was a good man but never more than right now. Why? Why such boldness and bravery? Why such faith? For you're willing to risk everything, even your life and your family. Why do that unless there was a portal moment? Unless you believe that Jesus was risen from the dead and that you know Jesus was resurrected. And that tomb is empty. For the apostles who actually saw and touched the body of the resurrected, the resurrected Jesus, their life would never be the same. They moved from cowardly to hero just like that. And all of them all of the apostles, except one, died for what they believed in. Would they have done that if Jesus had not risen from the dead? Not a chance. They would have never done that. You can't explain it unless Jesus actually rose from the dead. But what about you? Do you believe do you believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead three days after his death? Listen to what the resurrected Jesus told one of his apostles in John chapter 20. Then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Jesus did many other miracle, miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. My prayer for you this morning is that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that you believe that he died for your sins, and you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. It was a portal moment that changed everything. If you need one of those portal moments, like we talked about last week, baptism is that portal moment for you where you go down into the water and that water destroys what stands against God, destroys your sin, never to be remembered again. You come up, born again, ready to live a new life following Christ. You need to be baptized today. I would encourage you to come forward during our invitation song. We're going to sing in just a second. If you have doubts in your life, if you need prayers for whatever is going on in your life, you can come forward and see me or the elder who will be accompanying me. Jerome, come on up. Let's stand and sing.